listening to this across the country, across North America. Maybe it's really nice weather, or maybe it's really cold. All right, in my neck of the woods where I live, it's been cold and snowy, and it's been an interesting winter, and that has nothing to do with the virus. Hopefully, you've been doing a lot better. So welcome, or welcome back, to the Yearbooking Report podcast. Here we are in midwinter. I'm Scott Giese, uh, yearbook representative for Jostin's Yearbooks for over two decades, and again, four decades as a journalist. And I am all into storytelling, and that's why we make a yearbook, and that's why we do what I call yearbooking. Hopefully, you've been doing a lot of that this year, although, again, the challenges of this winter, yeah, a little different from last winter. Some good, some, frankly, not so good. A lot of schools out there really, really challenged, even more than last year. And we thought last year was bad, right? Uh, I remember at the beginning of the school year, I talked with a number of educators who said, boy, this year is going to be worse. And I looked at them like, really? And in some cases, they are correct. Hopefully that is not you, but if it is, I mean, it sounds kind of weak to say, but you're not alone. You're not alone on this. It has been a challenging year. A lot of yearbook staffs have been challenged with their work. Hopefully you're doing okay. Hopefully you're on schedule. That's important. Again, work with your Jostens representative. They'll help you get on schedule. Do what you need. Uh, do what you need them to do. All right. But in the meantime, this whole situation we're in has us thinking. And so the topic for this particular episode, frankly, this is a little earlier than I would normally do it. We would normally talk about this maybe in April. No, we're talking about it here in February. And it's the idea of recruiting for next year. Now, I know you're probably thinking, gee, I'm really busy right now. I don't have time for this. Or that could really wait till April. Are you sure about that? Here's a quick story. Recently, I was in some meetings and a colleague of mine, who I respect greatly, used the word crisis, and he was dead serious. Crisis, when he looks at the future of schools and education. Now, if you're an educator, you're probably nodding your head up and down right now, aren't you? Yes, you know exactly what I'm talking about. These last two years have been the most stressful ever in education. A lot of teachers, veteran teachers, have essentially just said, that's it, I'm done, I'm out of here. The, the path to the door has been well beaten. And the problem is the people coming in, the new folks coming in through that door, not many. And so when we do look at the future, maybe it truly is a crisis. We've got some serious things that we have to deal with. Now, on the yearbook front, does this affect us? Of course, the answer is yes. How are we going to get kids to sign up for yearbook next year? Good, hardworking kids. But beyond that, what about new yearbook advisors? I don't have to tell you the turnover in yearbook advisors these last two to plus years has been uh, pretty huge. So what do we do about recruiting? This is something we really need to discuss sooner rather than later. So recently we caught up with our friend Elizabeth Walsh. She knows. Liz is a longtime successful national award-winning yearbook advisor from Nevada. And we are so thankful to have her as one of our Jostin's CAMs, what we call Creative Accounts Managers. It's Liz's job to work with schools literally all over the country, either in person or, of course, the last two years a lot more online, to help them create a better yearbook and a better experience. And when I mentioned this topic to Liz about recruiting for next year, her eyes kind of lit up a little bit like, yeah, this is something we really need to talk about. So sit back, maybe grab a, a pad and pen, 
and do some note-taking because I'm thinking Liz is going to share some ideas and some insights. You're going to say, yep, 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 I need to write that one down. And to start to think about next year's effort. It's not too soon to start doing that. Good stuff here. So first, let's meet Liz. Well, first off, Liz, welcome back to <laughs> the Your Booking Report. I appreciate you taking time. Absolutely. So now, fun. this is kind of weird. <laughs> All right. Now, we're doing this in person. We're doing this recording in late January. And the last time we did this was exactly two years ago before the world blew up, <laughs> so to speak. <laughs> yeah. And we talked about some issues. So we're going to kind of pick up from there. But a little later on, the main topic I want to touch on is one that I didn't think I'd be talking about at this point. But after uh, hearing some things, uh, and we'll describe what this week, what we're talking about, recruiting for next year, mm -hmm. which possibly could be more challenging, I guess, than maybe than any year prior. And we'll explain when we get more into that in a little bit, all right? First off, Liz, for folks that, you know, didn't check out our episode from like two years ago, let's get some background on you. Tell us about yourself, where you're from, you know, your, your journalism background, what you're doing these days, and so on. Okay. Um, my name is Elizabeth Walsh, and I live in Las Vegas, Nevada. I taught in the classroom for 26 and a half years before I came to work on uh, Scott's team, and I am the creative and educational consultant. So what I'm here for is basically to help every school make their best book each and every year. So we always try to get a little bit better every year as educators, and that's one of the things that I can help advisors do. It's one of the things that I've worked with even administrators on selecting good advisors um, and with working with advisors to select and train their staffs early on so that everybody feels like they're a part of it and you can hit the ground running. Now, I've been involved with journalism since I was in high school, which was a very long time ago. Do I have to say 40 years? Okay, there I said it. There we go. How about you? I mean, how long have you been involved with, I mean, your book is a work of journalism, obviously. How long have you been involved in journalism? I actually started in 1992. <laughs> um, yeah, back in the 90s when we were still like hand drawing the layouts. And I fell in love with it from the very start. It has been one of the most influential parts of my career uh, because I was able to work with students on a different level. They were pursuing more than just finishing an English assignment or um, completing a set of math problems. This was something that was a labor of love from the very beginning. And when you get to work with students on something that they really truly care about or you get to work with students and you get to teach them how to really truly care about something, that's different. That's what feeds our soul as educators. That's what makes us feel so good. Um, we get to ignite a passion in our students, and that's what we're here for. Now, a popular question I've asked a lot of advisors, and we have a good number of advisors, of course, that listen to this. How did you get this job in the first place? I mean, did you choose it, or were you the new teacher, and oh yeah, by the way, you're the yearbook advisor too? or you lost a bet, or your wrestling match or something. I mean, how did you first start doing this stuff? I'm really fortunate in that I actually chose it, but I didn't mean to choose it. Uh, Whoa, what does that mean? This is the funniest <laughs> thing. I was standing in line to talk to the National Honor Society slash newspaper slash speech and debate coach teacher, 
And I was going to talk to her about advising speech and debate. I wanted to help with that. That was something I had done in high school. I felt confident that I could help. And instead, <laughs> this little girl with red hair and a camera hanging around her neck said, what are you doing here? And I said, well, I'm going to do this. And she said, oh, no, you should be the yearbook advisor. Because if we don't have an advisor next year, we can't have a yearbook. She gave me a little frowny face and talked a little bit more. And by the time I got up to the front of the line, I, I was already hooked at that point. I was like, so tell me what it would be like to be the yearbook advisor. And she's like, oh my gosh, you're going to love it. And I've loved it ever since. So you were done in by a little frowny face. Well, I mean, <laughs> she was really cute. <laughs> the kid, and now that hasn't changed in 30 years, the little frowny face. Yeah. I see those from time to time. Yeah. Like, oh, I melt. All right, whatever. Now, you are, again, we're both with Jostens, and you are what we call a CAM, a Creative Accounts Manager. What is that? I mean, what do you do? Um, it is kind of like being the fun yearbook aunt. Um, you know, advisors are the voice that their students hear every single day. And sometimes their students may not hear every single thing they say because they're so familiar. So I get to come in, sprinkle a little yearbook love around the room, and give those students a chance to hear the message in a different way sometimes, or to just be creative, to give them permission to actually sprinkle a little fairy dust on their ideas and make them grow. Uh, it's one of the best jobs in the world. I yearbook all day, every day, and honestly, I, I couldn't have it any other way. It really is super fun. And you're a part of a terrific team all right. Uh, talk about the team. Uh, well, I work with Tina Cleveland and Jeff Moffitt as creative accounts managers. Um, then we have Rick Brooks, who is our creative design manager. And we have Brian Martinez, who is our technology experience manager. He works with our Monarch schools. Those are schools who are actually using InDesign and Photoshop in an online format that takes 60 seconds to open up. It's amazing. Mm -hmm. Um, then we also work with our two ambassadors, Casey Nichols and Margaret Soros. And both of them are legends in the classroom uh, with over 35 years each of advising time. Now there's a question. If I added up all those people you just mentioned, how many years of your booking would that add up to? I think we're somewhere around 200. I, I can't even do the math that fast. I can only do yearbook math. I'm sorry. <laughs> I could go 16, 32, 48, 64. I can totally count by signatures, but I can't do that much math. Well, that's seven people counting you. Mm -hmm. And if it's about 30 years a person, that would be over 200 years. Yeah. That's amazing. Has anybody ever counted up the awards you people have won. No, I don't think so. I mean, maybe somebody has, but I haven't. I don't, and I, we're not really about either awards that we've received or um, awards that we've collected. We're really about helping others be successful. So the greater reward in what we do is we help people get what they want. We help people achieve the goals that they set out. Um, that's really what's important to us. Now, I'm biased, of course, but you folks do a dynamite job. And now let's talk about the last two years. What fun! <laughs> Since we sat down two years ago to do something similar to this on a different topic, 
Um, of course, that was not long before, kaboom, mm -hmm. the first lockdown and the two years that have followed since then. I know you folks, because I've seen you all in action, you love doing the physical at a workshop, at a school or a hotel or wherever you do these you know, different teachings and stuff like that. When the kaboom happened, all right, everything changed. Now we're trying to get back to the old days. I don't know, have you done it? I mean, for a while there, you guys were all virtual. Everything you were doing was virtual. Where are we now? When you do your stuff, you and the rest of the team, how do you do it? Um, well, we did 47 events from March of 2020 until spring of 2021. 47 virtual events for our schools and schools across the country. Uh, we have continued some of those virtual meetings uh, because schools are not allowing their students outside of the classroom. So there are times that we're actually beaming live right into your classroom. Uh, and I have had the opportunity to go and visit schools and work at a couple of workshops. And oh, really, in-person does feed your soul, but it has been so tough on teachers and students both to get to a lot of these events. So we still continue to plan on those virtual events and we still continue to make that virtual option available because we want every school to have access to all the cool stuff that we gather. I mean, we're constantly gathering ideas and, and what good is having an idea if you don't get to share it? <laughs> so whether it's in person or virtual, we, we just make it work. That's what we do. Now, I'm from Pennsylvania, and you are my cam person, mm -hmm. all right? Tina and Jeff are awesome. They, they work in primarily other parts of the country. But you're from Nevada. Now, you made that comment there. There are still a lot of schools where they, they won't let kids out of school on a field trip or anything like that. Is that everywhere, or is that Nevada? I mean, where are you seeing this? I'm seeing it across the country. Um, there are some school districts that are very restrictive and they are counting COVID cases and I've talked to schools that are, you know, two cases away from having to shut down. Um, and then there are other schools that are like masks. There's really what? <laughs> so it has been a very interesting um, across the country type thing. Everybody's got some sort of requirement um, at some point, whether it's based on the number of teachers that are available and not being able to get substitutes, or based on busing um, and busing driving shortages, or just based on the restrictions that they're doing the best that they can to keep their students safe. And they figure that the less they travel, the safer they are. So it's, it's different everywhere. Every single state, every single district, everybody's doing their own thing right now. Now, I'm curious, I have heard this from multiple teachers and administrators, and they have said that, again, we've been at this for, that's actually three school years, but let's just talk about the last two. Mm -hmm. This year, more difficult than last year. Now, last year, uh, Liz, I think most schools were virtual, they were shut down. This year, at least where I live, most schools have been open, all right, they've been able to go to school. But I keep hearing this, yeah, this year is more difficult than last year. And I shake my head, like, well, what do you think on that? I, I, it doesn't seem to make sense. It doesn't make sense, but the reality of it is that what we have experienced as a group of educators is a year of challenges, hoping for the next year to be better. And what we found is it was a year of challenges followed by a year of new challenges. <laughs> 
they aren't the same. Um, the two years are both incredibly stressful, but very different. And so while you might be in person, maybe you've got students who are constantly out and having to do makeup work and there is no virtual component and they're working very hard but they can't keep up and so now you're having to go back and reteach um, or you're having to help students catch up or you're still having to prepare students to take a test even though they're only in school every once in a while because they're constantly being quarantined. It's an in intensely different and much more emotionally draining experience having two years that are so ridiculously out of what we were used to. Um, and we're just doing the best we can, all of us, trying to figure out how we're going to move forward from here. And we'll, we'll tie that into recruiting here in just a little bit. I mean, how has your job changed in the last two years? Two years ago when we did this, it was normal. Or we didn't think it was normal, but it was. How has your work changed in two years? Well, I do a lot more on-camera work, that's for sure. <laughs> the first time that I was recorded, I think I was like, I'm very nervous. And now I'm just like, whatever, we're doing another thing <laughs> virtually. That's just kind of how it is. Um, it took a while to get used to doing things differently. And um, once our brains wrapped around it, it became a little bit easier. But along with that aspect of it becoming easier, we saw new challenges. And so we're constantly learning. We're constantly adapting. And that is, I don't want to say difficult, because I think difficult almost minimizes what we're doing. Um, we as a group of educators and people who work in schools are doing something that we've never done before. And for many teachers, it is Herculean. And we're seeing teachers looking at options that they've never considered before. They love teaching, but they just don't think they can do it anymore. That's scary. Because if you love teaching, you're probably a really good teacher, and we want you to be in the classroom. We'll get back to more with Jostin's Creative Accounts Manager, Liz Walsh, in just a bit. We're going to dig a little deeper into this topic of uh, how to deal with next year, how to recruit for next year. And frankly, if you're an advisor, you've just decided, I'm done. Somebody has to replace you. Uh, how, how can that be handled in a really good manner? So stay tuned for some more great information coming up in just a bit. Now, I've heard from a number of schools where I live, unfortunately, they've had to go remote. Ugh, we all hate that, right? I heard from one person, they said, Scott, literally one-third of our teachers have COVID. We don't have enough people to run the building. Does that sound familiar? Boy, I hope not, but I bet I'm getting some head nods right now, okay? And this is probably going to continue for a number of weeks, depending on where you live. How do we keep in touch with people? How do we, uh, you know, continue to communicate with people? Well, of course, social media is still huge. And you can be in school, you can be at home, you could be anywhere and still stay very much in touch with social media. If you're not familiar with our new Jostin's social program, you need to be. It is fantastic. For those folks out there, and I'm thinking especially older folks where you're thinking, ah, social media, that's for the youngsters. That's too hard for me. I can't learn this. Too much to do. Oh, social media. Justin Social is going to teach you differently, all right? They're, they're going to teach you differently because we have some tremendous tools that we've created along with a third partner that are so easy to use, versatile. 
has built-in information from Canva, you know, the famous website where you can do all sorts of artsy things. Got a built-in there. Lots of great ways posting on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, some other social media channels, and more and more is being developed. Now, yeah, you might have some yearbook students that would just be, you know, geniuses at this sort of thing. Well, okay, let's let them get uh, get the handle on it. But if you're the person and you're thinking, no, nah, social media scares me, Justin Social, I think, will change your mind. It's easy to use, uh, very versatile. Uh, you can program things in advance, don't have to go live, so you can kind of set things up on a weekend and just whoosh, let them run. Easily done. This is a tool you need to see. So if you'd like some more information on Justin's Social, Please contact your Johnson's representative. They'll get you information, sit down, talk with you about it. If you're a Johnson school, it's very easy to sign you up. And by the way, not too late. Yeah, we're a bit over halfway through the school year, but never too late to start this. And if perhaps you don't work with Johnson's, you might be thinking, hey, that sounds pretty cool. That sounds amazing. I'd like more information on that. There you go. Contact your Johnson's representative. They have all the information for you. And then let's see what really awesome stuff you can do with social media this year using the new Johnson's Social. Really good stuff. All right, we're talking about recruiting, an important topic looking to next year. Let's get back to our friend Liz Walsh. All right, so let's segue into this main topic of recruiting. And you and I both work for Jostens, all right? And we're doing a sit-down in person in late January while we're both attending a Jostens meeting. And I remember you and I were in a room a couple of days ago, and one of our colleagues was in the room, and he used the word crisis. Like, education right now is in a crisis. And as far as the people that we work with in our yearbook duties, we're looking down the barrel of a crisis. And that word just like, whoa, that just, what? But the more I thought about it, hmm, what's your opinion? I mean, maybe, you know, get out your crystal ball, so to speak. Are we looking, and I'm, I'm especially thinking about our yearbook work, maybe not education in general, but especially with what we do, are we looking at trouble down the road when it comes to recruiting students and advisors and so on? What do you think? Absolutely. Um, teachers are really exhausted, and if they have an option, they're exercising it. Um, read an article that was published, I think, about a week ago in Forbes that said 48% of teachers have considered leaving the profession. That's every other teacher in your building. That is really scary. I mean, I'll stay, I'll leave. I'll stay, I'll leave. That's scary because people get into teaching because they want to make a difference. So removing that many difference makers from the educational equation is dangerous. And so yeah, I would say we're, we're in crisis mode. Not only that, but we're coming into the classroom every day with these students who have spent a long time not interacting socially. So they have a whole host of different types of challenges, um, social and emotional learning challenges that we've never seen before. And schools that aren't using Renaissance are really facing tough situations every day with their students. Um, our Renaissance schools are seeing much better results because students have a reason to come to school. They're excited about it and they're, they're learning how to relate to each other again. Um, and teachers are learning how to deal with this in a much better situation. So, um, you know, that's, that's something that I think we have a solution, 
but I don't think enough people are making use of it, and I absolutely love it. I think it's one of the greatest things in the world. And the cool thing about Renaissance is it makes everybody think that school is cool. Now, it doesn't brainwash them or anything. It just gives them great opportunities to do cool stuff. I mean, who doesn't want to do cool stuff? And it makes it a lot more fun. And the teachers are having fun, and the students are having fun. And when school is cool, and kids are really riled up about, yay, we get to go to school, what we get is an entirely different yearbook and a whole different school and cultural experience from being in that kind of a situation. So are we in a crisis? Yeah. Is there a solution? There is. Um, but we have to make use of it. And if we don't make use of it, that's going to be tough. All right. Shameless plug alert. All right, Liz is referring to what we call Jostin's Renaissance, which has nothing to do with selling anything. It has everything to do with our sort of our company commitment to schools to say, we want to help. We want to be part of the solution. Culture and climate and teacher morale and student morale and so on. Folks, if you're listening and you have an interest in this, website, jostinsrenaissance.com. If you don't know how to spell Renaissance, use the spell checker. JostinsRenaissance.com. There is great information there. And if you want more information, you contact your own Jostins representative, and they'll be happy to fill you in. All right? But, I mean, you kind of, I guess you touched it on there. When we're starting to look ahead about next year's yearbook effort, obviously, at most schools at least, we need students to do that. And again, when, the, when our colleague used that word crisis, I'm like, oh, man. So normally I would talk about recruiting in, I don't know, April? But we're doing this here. We're recording this at the end of January, Liz, because I think we need to start thinking about this right now. Or am I wrong on that? No, we do need to start thinking about it right now. And um, as a former advisor, I always started in January because students were picking their classes for the next year. And so as they were setting their schedule, I wanted to make sure that they were scheduling in time for yearbook. Uh, so we spent a lot of time talking to teachers and finding out who the, the students were that they felt needed a niche, somewhere that they could belong and somewhere that they could contribute. And then we would invite those students to join our yearbook staff. And we probably would end up with about 30 to 35 students coming onto the yearbook staff out of 130 to 150 students invited because some students had already committed to doing other things. So with that in mind, we knew that if we didn't get on, on their agenda early, we weren't going to get a hold of them at all. Um, so we started in January. Uh, we accepted by the time March came around, so their schedules would match up, and they knew what was going on. And we actually brought them into the classroom once a week in March, and they came in for lunch. So we had Wednesday yearbook and we would teach them how to do yearbook things. We'd teach them how to talk to people we'd, by actually talking to them um, so that everybody on the yearbook staff for the following year had already gelled through the months of March and April and May. And when we got out the first week of June, they already knew what was going on and they had already been taking pictures for the yearbook and doing interviews for the yearbook and collecting material for the yearbook. So when we came back to school in August, we already had all the spring activity photos, we had spring break photos, we had summer break photos, and we were ready to rock and roll with a staff that was already primed and pre-trained. They didn't know everything by then, but they certainly knew a lot. And they all had staff t-shirts, so they, on the first week of school, had their staff t-shirt to wear and show that they belonged during our Red and Blue Fridays. They were super proud. Now, from your experience, 
Do a lot of schools start this in January? My thought is they start much later. There are a lot of schools who wait and they start later. They finish the yearbook and then they start recruiting for the next year. Or they finish the school year and start recruiting in August. And I think that that's a huge mistake because I think that by the time that students are coming into school, they're already ready for what they had like imagined their schedule was going to be. So starting early and promoting and sharing what is going on in the yearbook class and having a great time, even if you're not actively recruiting. I mean, what I mentioned was pretty hardcore. <laughs> and I admit, um, I was kind of a hardcore teacher because I wanted things done a certain way. I wanted that staff to be gelled by the time that we had spring break. So even if you're not doing something that overt, what you could be doing is using social media and putting out little snippets, little tidbits of all the fun you're having in yearbook. And actually do some fun activities in yearbook. Do a yearbook scavenger hunt. There's a great scavenger hunt um, that you can actually find at Jostens.com. If you choose the About Us and go to the blog, you'll find it there. And that scavenger hunt is a fun photo scavenger hunt and students can have a great time with that. Um, but build the excitement and let people know all the cool stuff you're doing in your book and then they want to be a part of your book. If you're not really advertising the fun that you're having, nobody will know how much fun it can be. So it's, I mean, as with any, anything that you do, if other people don't know about it, they're not going to join. I mean, it's just one of those things. You've got to get the word out. Um, one of the things that we would do is have students on staff recommend students who were not yet on staff. Students know how other students work. They know kind of what their schedule is. They have a good time with, you know, being important enough to recognize someone else as being uh, a, a good worker. So at least, you know, have an open house. Gosh, I mean, that would be kind of fun. Have people come in and take a look at what you're doing um, on a deadline afternoon or during lunch or you know during an after-school meeting and just let them see how much fun it actually is. Let them see what you're doing so that they're like, well, I could do that. I love taking photos or I don't mind talking to strangers. I'll go talk to strangers all day long. Those kinds of kids, you want them to have that opportunity and maybe they just don't know about it. All right, now this almost breaks my heart, but I know from experience there are some schools where the yearbook advisor really can't choose their staff. It's pretty much delivered to them. I don't know, have you ever encountered situations like that? Mm-hmm, yep. What, what do you, what do you, I mean, I don't like that. I like, I'm selfish, I guess. I want the yearbook advisor to pick their team, like the football coach can pick the team, and the basketball coach can pick the team. When you don't have the chance to pick the team, how do you, how, and I, I know somebody's listening here, yep, that's me, yep. What do you do in that situation? Yearbooks are the story of the school, the whole school. Your student uh, roster, whoever shows up, they're part of your school. They all have a story to tell, and they have other friends who have stories to tell as well. One of the greatest things that you can do is simply find what they're good at. Allow them to sort of sample from the smorgasbord of all the different activities that there are in your book, and then allow them to pursue what they really truly enjoy. I've had students on my yearbook staff who are severely handicapped. Um, they were able to do certain things though, and so we had them work on the things they could achieve. And I think that's so important. Everybody in your whole school is valuable. They may not be the number one according to the GPA, but that doesn't 
doesn't mean that they can't be number one in your heart and they can't be great at something in yearbook. As a matter of fact, I'm pretty sure pretty much everybody in your whole school could be good at yearbook. Everybody. Yeah. Heck yeah. I mean, everybody wants to participate in some form or fashion. It's finding what they're excited about. So let them do some experimentation. Let them take some different types of pictures. Have them up on a chair and down on the floor and taking a picture at table level. Let them try it out. Once they do those kinds of things and then you get to see the photos and you're like, wow, those are actually really cool. You just paid that kid a compliment, a big compliment. That's huge. And that can go a long way to forming a bond with that student and being the person who recognizes value where maybe they don't see value in themselves. So your book is for everybody. It really can be, and it should be. All right, now here's a, I'm gonna call this a harsh question. I'm not sure how you're gonna answer this one. We've just gone through the most ridiculous two years ever. And I've heard this in, I think, maybe every single school building that I visit and walk into and so on. There are just too many kids, and pardon my language, I guess, but for a fact, too many kids with an I don't give a damn attitude. Now you're nodding your head, all right? If, uh, and I, that's just, this is part of the crisis thing we talked about earlier. This isn't something that's going to disappear once COVID finally goes away. I'm thinking this is going to hang around for a while. Now, if I'm right, then how do you deal with a situation like that if you've got a bunch of kids in school that, I don't care. What do you, what, what do you, what do you do in that situation? It can be really frustrating. And even just listening to you describe it started to like pull me down. So one of the things that we need to do as educators is remember that our job first and foremost is to make a difference. And every educator out there has heard this. Kids don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. So care, care about them, find out about them. Do a lot of team building first because yearbook really is a team sport. So if you're not allowing them to become part of a team and find what they care about, then you're missing out on a, a little bit of, of some of the cool parts of being a teacher again. You know, we go back to like, we're difference makers. We join the profession because we want to help people. And we get bogged down in all this other stuff that teaching has come to, you know, require. But yearbook is a class that really teaches life skills. So approach it from that attitude of how can I make this a place where kids can actually develop some really great life skills. We'll get back to our final segment with Liz Walsh, Johnston's Creative Accounts Manager, coming up in a bit. And I'll tell you what, you want to hang around for this one because Liz and I talk about not just recruiting new students for next year's yearbook, what about recruiting new advisors? All right, if you're an advisor or if you're a teacher listening, I don't have to tell you. There are a lot of teachers that either are getting out or want to get out, and that includes, unfortunately, yearbook advisors. Liz has some uh, slightly harsh thoughts, gently harsh thoughts, but some very honest thoughts. And she also shares a lot of great advice for any yearbook advisor. So trust me, stick around for this last segment. It's a really good one. Now, again, a lot of schools are disrupted, unfortunately, this year, which means things not happening, things canceled. Maybe it's sports, maybe it's dances, maybe it's other types of events. And once again this year, a lot of yearbook staffs probably have some holes on their page ladder, like, oops, that didn't happen. 
And that's when some reshuffling starts. And what are we going to do? We want to get some good stuff in there. Well, we at Jostens have good stuff. And once again this year, our creative team went to work and put together just some terrific double-page spreads on very trending topics that teens are talking about today. Things like music and television and so on. But it's not just slapped together. It is very stylish, very slick, features a lot of information and quotes and responses from teens all over North America. These are spreads that would look good in any yearbook. And I mean from elementary on up, even college, all the directions. These are terrific layouts that are totally done. All you have to do is grab them, put them on your pages, you're done. That's it. We've got seven new spreads this year to go along with our material from last year and even going back to the spring of 2020 when this whole insanity began. If you're interested in this, Jostens Advisors, it's all sitting there waiting for you on Yearbook Avenue. Find the spread gallery. There you'll see them. If you, something catches your eye, like, oh, that's a really good one. Hey, we have this hole to fill. Let's use that. Or you might just see one, you're like, let's put that in the book. Let's find a place for it because it's really, really good. In the spread gallery on Yearbook Avenue, just grab them and use them. Easy to do. And if perhaps you don't work with Jostens, but you're in this same situation and you're thinking, I'd really like to see some other really cool stuff, contact your Jostens representative. I bet at the very least they could get you one of these spreads that you could actually use in your book this year. Or at the very least, you could take a look at it and say, wow, this is, this is really good. All right, we're here to help because once again, we find ourselves in a challenging year. Why not include some really cool, stylish material that anybody, any book, anywhere would love to read, both when your book comes out and, of course, then many years from now when we look back at this challenging year. What were people thinking and feeling? What were they doing back then during that virus craziness? Well, these spreads can help you tell the story with lots of great reactions. So once again, contact your Jostens representative to see how you can get your hands on those. Now, some very interesting thoughts coming up. Let's get back to our friend Liz Walsh. All right, now let's mention something a few minutes ago. You mentioned a story that came out in January from, I believe, Forbes magazine claiming they did a survey of some kind. Essentially, half of all teachers in schools today essentially would like to quit, like to give it up. That is a scary, now crisis, bing, there it is. That's a scary number. We'll assume it's accurate, all right? And so now I'm wondering, all right, once we get to summer, when the school year is over, how many yearbook advisors are just, I'm out of here. And so part of the recruiting here might be, uh, if for any administrator maybe especially that might be listening, how do I find a new yearbook advisor in in this uh, scenario that we still find ourselves. I mean, do you have any thoughts for a school that suddenly there's no yearbook advisor? We need to pick somebody. Yeah. How do they do that? Well, yearbook is like teaching a labor of love. It is actually a service project. So finding teachers who are already involved in service project type clubs, National Honor Society, Key Club, um, Student Council and Student Government, those students could be dually purposed 
to not only create events and participate in events, but also to record those. As a matter of fact, there are a lot of competitions among student councils and student governments at their statewide level um, that require them to document what they're doing. And that's how they earn points. And then they can win a competition or earn a certain status based on that. So why not harness what they're already doing and put it into the yearbook and just have it be part of the yearbook? Um, those teachers that come in and you know just want to teach and leave I don't know that you can necessarily light a fire under them unless they're really passionate about being there so I know I mentioned it before but this does go back to building a culture and climate that is positive and nourishing and energizing instead of draining and negative um, and a lot of that comes from finding ways to make teaching fun again so administrators are going to have to take a very close and careful look at what they're doing in the school building as not only curriculum designers and curriculum leaders and educational leaders, but as leaders of human beings. And they need to, to think about that human side. That's important. Teachers need to return to caring and nurturing and not have 58,000 other pieces of information that they have to take care of and it's a checklist that if they don't do that there's going to be a problem. That's big, you know, big school, big idea type things. Really, you've got to find a teacher who wants to make a difference in kids' lives. That's where the yearbook advisor is. And, you know, the teacher who wants to help students become something more that's the teacher who's your yearbook advisor. Sometimes it's a photo teacher. Sometimes it's a journalism teacher. Sometimes it's a social studies teacher. I think we're severely underutilizing the social studies department in many schools because the yearbook is a historical document. Social studies is all about interacting and you know history. So why not make use of those social studies teachers? Maybe this could become some sort of class project and it's, it's a part of a unit in which they are documenting the history of the school and they're going out and getting information from the students. You could kind of put the whole book together using all the different areas of social studies and everybody could contribute a piece. We could go to um, student leaders, you know, so student government leaders, and have them be responsible for small bits and pieces of the book and teach them how to use the program and have them, you know, document whatever it is that they're going to document within these two pages, four pages, whatever that might be. There are a lot of solutions for community sourcing already in the Justin's classroom and in many of the things that we created during the 2020 to 21 uh, time period, but you're gonna have to start thinking outside the box. And you know, if you want this job, you're gonna have to do a yearbook is not <laughs> thinking outside the box. That's way less fun. It should be, you know, we know you really wanna do something great with students. This is a cool idea. Let us help you and, and really partner with, with putting the book together. Okay, follow up question then. Mm -hmm. And again, you and I have been at this a long time, <laughs> um, over decades. Why are, I mean, you just had a glowing, um, I think, a glowing description of why someone should become a yearbook advisor. They have a chance to really make a positive impact in a school. Why aren't there lines of teachers lining up to be yearbook advisor? I think it's poor marketing. 
remember we talked about earlier that if you want to encourage students to come into your program, you have to show them how awesome it can be. Um, so giving people an opportunity to connect with the students and kind of try it out or try it on, try the idea on, even now, if you've got a yearbook advisor in your school right now who's putting the book together, why not have them invite a few teachers to come and see how cool it is that these kids are working and what they're doing? Why not make this almost a, a school-wide, like, look at what our cool yearbook advisor is doing kind of activity so that everybody has the opportunity to see how neat this is. All right, now a popular question I always like to ask is, you know, we, we probably have some new advisors or second year that are listening. And I always like to say, you know, hey, give some advice to these people, you know. Now we did this two years ago before you know what. <laughs> and you had nice answers. We've now had the last two years of you know what. Mm -hmm. So if I throw that same question to you right now, what is some advice you would give to a new advisor or a second year advisor? They've only been an advisor, Liz, during this insanity. All right. As far as your book's concerned, this is all they've ever known. What is some advice to, I don't know, either help them improve or help get them through this whole situation we've all been dealing with? Yeah, it's think been about a that long one. Time <laughs> since I was a new advisor, that's I a will, tough one. I will say that, but I think probably one of the most important things as a new advisor is to remember that there is a whole world outside of your classroom that is willing to help if you just ask. There are teachers who are willing to proofread a page for you or to help you identify students. Um, there are you know, math teachers who can help you figure out how many students to put on a page. Um, you know, just within your school building itself. You can lean on, if you have an active um, parent-teacher association, you can lean on those parents as well. And don't be afraid to say, we need some more help. We need some people from the marching band or the choir to actually share their photos with us. Uh, we have some really cool opportunities as yearbook advisors to incorporate more coverage instead of less. We may have fewer events or the events may look different or everybody might be in a mask, but that doesn't mean that the yearbook should stop yearbooking just because the school year looks different than it did you know, a couple years ago. Instead, Make this a real history book. Go and interview people. Some of the coolest stories I ever have read and some of the coolest history that I have retained has been from actual interactions with other people, finding out what it was like to go through this historic event by talking to other people. So let's make our yearbook a true history book. Let's talk to everybody in the school. Let's find out what they have to say. And sometimes they don't have much to say on a certain topic, but they might have a lot to say on something else. I'll never forget the kid who walked into my classroom one day and showed me his phone. And this was a kid who didn't say very much at all. Hardly any, like, he didn't interact unless I called on him. But the day that he walked in, just total, he was so excited, and he pulled up on his phone a picture of a, a very complex Lego creation that he had just finished. And he felt so excited that he had to share it. And he didn't love my English class. He just didn't. He was doing that because he was supposed to. 
but he loved building Legos. And when I said, oh my gosh, that's so cool. I'm going to tell the yearbook staff about this so they can take some pictures. He goes, oh, I have some other pictures too. He was more than willing to help us put together Attaboy. the module yeah. on him. And I was like, this is the coolest thing ever. How many more stories do we miss out on because we aren't standing in the hallway greeting kids when they come in the door? How many stories are we missing out on because we think that the yearbook should be homecoming game and homecoming king and queen and nothing else? Like, come on. There's tons of kids who are never going to be in the homecoming game. They're never going to be at the homecoming game, and they're not going to be homecoming king and queen. You've got a lot of students in your school. They all have something they're passionate about, so let's find out what that is. Even if it takes you know, doing a school-wide survey to find out what they're interested in, or it takes doing you know, individualized surveys through different homeroom teachers or through the English teachers or somebody, um, find out. What is, you know, as we used to say, what's floating their boat? And then, you know, ask them about it and put it in the yearbook because that's who they are right now. And we want to tell the story of this school in this year. Do that. Don't worry that you don't have the same thing that you always had. Gosh, who wants to do the same thing we've always done every single year? That's boring. Besides, last two years, we haven't done anything the same. So <laughs> why not shake it up and do something completely different? Just get out, of, get out of the, I did it this way last year, so I have to do it again this way. Uh, just make it more fun. Make S it different. Something different. Now, you tell me if I'm crazy. I never see coverage of these people in the yearbook, but I know they've got stories to tell. Custodians, the lunch ladies, mm -hmm. bus drivers, yep. and if your school has a security officer that or officers, those type of folks, I never see stories from those folks, and I know they have them. Now, am I crazy? No, they are working in the school for a reason. They like kids, otherwise they wouldn't be there. Like, nobody says, you know what I do? I work in a school because I don't like kids. That's just not how it works. <laughs> I mean, they no. work in a school and they no. like kids. So think about those opportunities as well. Those are great stories to tell. And the yearbook can actually become an agent of positive change by doing something to thank them. So maybe it's just that you bring them a little you know, candy bar or a little handwritten note or a bottle of water and say thank you. And then like, talk to them. Find out what it is that they have to say and feature them in I mean, I have a school who actually did that this year. They did a thank you activity for their school bus drivers. They took pictures of it and they t and then interviewed them. And then that's what's in their yearbook this year. It's pretty cool stuff. That's cool. That's because those folks, and I know there's a, I guess there's a school bus driver shortage probably in most places, along yeah. with a lot of other shortages. Yeah, we need to uh, recognize those people. So I like that. Free plug alert. All right, I know you and the team have got a lot of plans uh, going into the spring. Mm -hmm. um, I, I guess either, well, I'll let you tell it, different parts of the country. What do you got planned for spring? Pretty excited. Uh, we do have our spring premiere events, and those take a look at what is kind of hot, fresh, new, inspir inspirational, you know, from professional publications, um, you know, from kind of everywhere. We gather ideas from everywhere. So we've got lots of cool ideas to share, which is, is really neat. Um, this summer, we do have the National Summer Workshop. That's in uh, San Diego at the University of San Diego. And it's pretty intense, let me tell you what. <laughs> Kids get really excited. I mean, they are hyped up and ready to rock and roll uh, when they're done, and they've made some great plans there. And then we have fall workshops coming up as well. So we've got a lot going on. And 
I don't know, it's just so exciting. Like those students come in and they're like, yearbook? We're going to yearbook workshop? And then they leave and they're like, yeah, yearbook workshop. All right, now the last two years being what they are, in-person, virtual, both? both. What, what are you doing? Both. We're offering opportunities to either attend some of these events in person um, or to attend virtually. And they may not be the exact same event, obviously, it never is. Like, even if you're watching, you know, a live gala, it's not the same as being at the live gala. So, um, but we still do have lots and lots of great ideas that we can share virtually if your students can't make it or they simply can't connect at a certain time. Lots of things that we can do. Please just reach out to your Jostens rep and say, hey, what do you got for me? Because I, <laughs> I can tell you, they got lots. All right, now final question. All right, we're both Jostens people, but if I assume someone's listening, well, my school doesn't work with Jostens. What, is there, can they somehow take part in, in, in any, any of this? Yeah, absolutely. Just reach out to your Jostens rep and find out more details because we're in the business of making your job easier, plain and simple. And if working with us to go to one of these events is going to make your job easier and you're going to find out how cool it is, we love that. Pull out your crystal ball. What's this fall going to be like? You have any idea? Take a guess. School's going to start in the fall. That's it? <laughs> That's it? School's <laughs> going to start in the fall. That's quite a crystal ball you have there, hey, right? You're welcome. You know. I mean, I, I, I call them like I see them. <laughs> All right, I'm going to stop there. <laughs> School's going to start in the fall. We know that. Liz, I really appreciate your time. You have so many great ideas, and I'm glad that you're my uh, cam person where <laughs> I live in my neighborhood. Although, you're in, again, you're, you're in Nevada. I'm in Pennsylvania. So you must have frequent flyer miles or something like that. But I appreciate your time. Thank you very much. Thank you, Scott. It's been great. Many thanks again to our friend Elizabeth Walsh, who's just dynamic as a Jostens Creative Accounts Manager. All those years she had as a very successful yearbook advisor in Nevada, National Yearbook Advisor of the Year, a bunch of other awards to go along with that. Liz earned them all. And I'm so thrilled to have her as part of my personal team because she is just dynamite. And everywhere she goes, kids are like, whoa, that's cool. Whoa, what a great idea. Whoa, let's do that. That's Liz. And uh, we're so thrilled to have her and the rest of our CAM and Ambassador team as well. They are fantastic. No matter who you are, if you work with Jostens or maybe you don't, if you're looking for fresh ideas, if you're looking for inspiration, if you're just looking for help, you know, like a hand up, a handout, anything, something to help you out any year, but once again, this very challenging year, contact your Jostens representative. We have answers and we want to be part of the solution. All right. Anyway, let's hang in there, folks. Let's keep swinging. We still have a lot of work to do this very important school year, a year absolutely worth remembering. And thanks again for listening to the Your Booking Report podcast.